Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Progress is being made. The wall is up to half its height. And it says something really important at the end of verse 6. People had a mind to do the work, right? Something we have to ask ourselves as Christians. Do you have a mind to do the work? Because some Christians have a mind to do the work. And they want to put their hands to the plow. They're looking for something to do to glorify God. There's a mind to do the work. And there are some Christians that don't have a heart for anything. As a Christian, have you ever found yourself feeling disconnected from doing his work? Have you ever lost your vigor doing the work for his kingdom? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you want to experience exponential growth in your faith, you need to never grow weary of doing the work. Whether it's serving your church family, furthering his gospel in your community, or simply saying no to sin in your own life, put everything you have into glorifying him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 as he continues his message, Shovel and Sword. It becomes very important that we've heard from the Lord and that we're doing what we heard from the Lord, no matter what we see or what's been said. Amen. One thing we're learning here, does the enemy seem to have a lot to say? And he's just getting started. He's got a lot to say. So we got to be careful about listening to him um, and respond how we respond to the attack of the enemy. The enemy will attack while you're doing the work, guaranteed. So we got to learn how do we respond, that we don't get discouraged, that we don't stop. Because the goal is, if I could just get you to stop. Satan's like, what do I have to say to get you to quit? That's the win for Satan. He cannot defeat us. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us already. So if Satan can convince you to quit, that's the win. I made you quit. But he can't beat you. So it's kind of like a fight. You know, if, if, if I don't know me, I mean, this may be rough for y'all, but if you imagine if you were going to fight somebody and God said, look, the only way you lose if you quit, as long as you keep pumping jabs, you win. You, but you got to fight, you know? So as long as you stay in the fight, I guarantee you a win. But if you turn tail, you're getting whooped, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of what it's like in the spiritual battle. If you look at the spiritual armor, there's nothing to protect your backside because you're not supposed to quit. You're not supposed to run. Everything is for the front, feet shod. Those are cliques, you know? Belt, shield, you know, sword, helm. Everything is to protect you as you move forward. There's nothing to protect you. If you turn tail, you can get jabbed right in the back. Ain't nothing to protect your backside. So, because we're never supposed to turn tail, we're supposed to go forward. So moving on now, look at verse three. It says, uh, now Tobiah, the Ammonite, another enemy, was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. So here the enemy is making fun of them in verse three. So um, he says, man, their wall is so weak that even if a fox, if you guys know foxes are like a kitty cat, you know, they're light, they're agile. It's not a heavy animal. But he said, man, that little wall they building is so weak. If a fox goes on that wall, it'll fall down. <laughs> I used to hear the enemy laughing with that, you know. And so we see the enemy here is making fun of them, making a mockery of them. Um, and again, if you're someone that maybe your feelings get hurt easy. Um, it's important for us that are called to serve the Lord that we we grow some thick skin. Um, because if all it takes, I believe that Satan is saying, man, if, what will it take to make you quit? If I make fun of you, will you quit? If I laugh at you, will you quit? 
what will it take to just make you quit? That's what he's looking for. Here he's tried a lot of things. Um, we'll see later on. He doesn't stop. He threatens. He comes. He brings lots of people. He makes accusations. And there he's clowning. He's making fun of them. What do I got to do to get you to come up off that wall is what he wants to find out. Look at verse 4 and 5 now. It says, I want you to notice Nehemiah's response. The enemy has been in his ear. And I want you to note that he doesn't say anything back to the enemy. He goes straight to the Lord. Look at verse 4 and 5. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. And I want you to note that Nehemiah made the issue. He didn't talk to the enemy. I wonder, too, if he prayed this out loud right in front of them. Like, I, he didn't, I don't can't tell you that he did that, but it tells us right here. The prayer is recorded. He said it out loud somewhere. Nehemiah goes straight to God, doesn't talk to the enemy. There's something important in this because it's been a fad of such in the Christian church where people are talking to the devil. And I want you to understand this. What is the simple definition of prayer? Prayer is what? Talking to God. So if I'm not talking to God, I stop talking to God and I start addressing the devil. Am I still praying? I'm not praying. Kind of, I'm praying to the devil. If talking to God is prayer, communicating with God is prayer. When you start communicating with the devil, you are praying to the devil. Is that what we're called to do? No, never at any time are we encouraged in the scriptures to pray to the devil, to talk to the devil. We talk to God. So there was a wonderful movie, War Room. It's a great movie. It's a wonderful Christian movie. Problem at the high point of the movie, the woman's in the kitchen. And I mean, this was the breakthrough moment, but it was like, theologically, it was a fail because she spent the whole time, devil, devil, I'm telling you devil and devil. And it, it looks good. It's theatrical, but it's like, that's a fail. Why are you talking to the devil? The power position for the believer is talking to the Lord. I want you to know that he doesn't talk to the enemy. He doesn't waste his breath on the enemy. He goes straight up to the Lord and he makes the issue. He said, God, look, they did this to you because I'm only out here in your name. I'm out here doing what you called me to do. And I'm out here representing you. And so when the enemy comes against me, he's really coming against you because I'm your representation. So you can only pray that and talk that way when you're serving God. But if you are serving God and the enemy comes against you, you can say, God, they are coming against you out here. I'm out here trying to do what you call me to do, and they come in. And I want you to know, this is not a nice prayer. He says, don't blot their sins out. Don't remove. Get them, God. Get them. I mean, I want them to pay for what they've done. Get them, get them, get them, and get them good. And so um, that's what he prays, essentially. Like, God, no, don't blot this out. Don't let them slide with this. I want, I want them to pay. I want to see it when it happens. I added that. But the important thing is this, that... The prayer is made to the Lord. And so even though we hear people doing it on TV and we hear people addressing the devil, I'm encouraging you guys, you won't find in Scripture that we're ever encouraged to do that. As a matter of fact, in Jude, we were told in Jude that even Michael the archangel, who arguably uh, is up there, he didn't even address Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. We always want to keep the Lord in between us and the devil. Amen. Because the devil ain't afraid of you, but he is afraid of the Jesus in you. And so you want to keep the Lord in between you and the enemy. When I'm not addressing him directly, I got nothing to say to him. Um, 
God can deal with the enemy on my behalf. But that's kind of how you want it. Um, we do know that in the name of Jesus, that he is defeated, that he, he is no match for our God. So keep your God in between you and your enemy. Uh, that's the best bet for us as believers. And so are we clear that we direct our prayers to the Lord and we don't talk to the enemy? Don't even give him any shine at all. Just shine him on. I believe that that infuriates the enemy even more when it's like I'm not even giving you any attention. Matter of fact, you keep talking in my ear, I'm going to pray some more. I'm going to tell you to say, whoop, 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 whoop. I'm going to talk to God. I've got an hour and I'm going to pray for an hour today because I keep hearing you in my ear with all that stuff you're talking. So I think that that's how you shut the enemy up. Just the more I hear from that fool, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray more and I'm going to go back to work for, the, for God. So that's how you defeat the enemy. So moving on now, look at verse uh, six. It says, so we built. Notice that. Um, the thing that the enemy is upset about, they got right back to it. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. And I want you to note this, that progress is being made. But why is progress being made? We saw in chapter three, progress is being made because there was teamwork. You had all the different people, the different families, everybody was doing their part. And now we see that progress is being made. The wall is half its height. All the joints are together because they haven't stopped working because they haven't taken a break. They haven't come off the wall to listen to the enemy or to fight with them or to go back and forth. They've been continuing to do the work. And the one thing that that you can't argue with is people can't argue with fruit. Somebody can think that you you can't do it. Just keep doing it. And eventually they're going to look and say, wow, they're doing it. Nobody can argue with fruit. Nobody can argue with the progress that's being made as you just keep moving forward with the Lord. Just let your fruit speak for itself. Let the progress that you're making, it'll speak for itself. You don't have to say anything. Just continue to make spiritual progress with whatever it is that God has called you to do. That will eventually speak louder anything you can say. And so um, progress is being made. The wall is up to half its height. And it says something really important at the end of verse 6. People had a mind to do the work, right? Something we have to ask ourselves as Christians. Do you have a mind to do the work? Because some Christians have a mind to do the work and they want to put their hands to the plow. They're looking for something to do to glorify God. There's a mind to do the work. And there are some Christians that don't have a heart for anything. I think, you know, when we were in the school and we were setting up and tearing down every week, um, it was difficult, but it was also very revealing. Right. Uh, it was difficult to those that were doing the work because you had to set it up and tear it down every week. Without fail, you had to be there early, set things up, put the chairs out, set the sound up. There was always something kooky going on with the sound because of the airplanes and the whatever's going on in the building. And so we were always, it always felt like we were just to the last minute to get everything going, maybe. Um, and then setting up the kids' rooms and bringing out this, that, and the other. Then afterwards, when it was all over with, um, right now, me and Clint get to come down here and just relax Take prayer requests. Can I pray for you? We just get the chill. We didn't used to get the chill. And we would, I pray for you. I had about five minutes. We're going to pray real quick. And then we were out. We were flipping chairs and putting tables up. And he was putting away sound. We were loading up a truck. And so there would be guys at this time that they were there every week. Everybody was always invited to help. Hey, any brothers want to help out? If you were a brother, you were invited to help out. There were guys that would just watch. And they would be standing there talking. 
together. They watch through these guys over here carrying buckets of sound equipment like this, you know, necks breaking and they would just scoot over to finish their conversation over here. And the reality was they didn't have a mind. That's a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. I ain't name them. You know, you don't know who they are, but they didn't have a mind to do the work, right? That's just the bottom line. And so, um, here it says the progress was being made because people had a mind to do the work. I just want you to understand that when you come together with the body of Christ, don't ever be the person that is content to watch the work. Right? You want to be a part of what God is doing. Any part, I want to be a, a small part. If I just got to lift chairs, I was a part. I put the chairs down that the people sat in to listen to the Bible study today. You know, I sat the chairs down that somebody sat in and gave their life to Christ today. I was a part of the work. I moved the children's toy boxes into the kids' rooms where kids played and didn't interrupt the Bible study over here. And they learned about Jesus at their level. You know, whatever part you're playing, make sure you're playing a part in the work that God is doing. Have a mind to do the work and know that it's not okay for those of us that have been forgiven and saved to just watch. Amen. Watch TV, but don't watch the work. You got to be a part of the work. So moving on, I look at verse seven. It says, now it happened. And I want you to note this. Every time it says the work happened, the enemy jumps. We, hear, we, get, we go right back to the enemy shows up. Look at verse seven. Now it happened when Sam Ballot, Tobiah, count the enemies, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. One, I want you to note that, look at how many more enemies there are now. First, it was Sanballat, Tobiah. Then it was Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs. Earlier, we saw he had an army with him. So it was Sanballat, Tobiah, Arabs, the army. Then it says the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, when they all heard, look at what they heard. They heard that the work is happening. The walls are going up. The joints are being closed. Progress is being made. These guys are doing what they set out to do. And when they heard it, it said that they became very angry. They were very upset that progress was being made, that the walls were going up. Verse 8 now, look at the attack of the enemy. Look at what they do. It says, all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem to and create confusion. So note the attack of the enemy. They want to attack and they want to create confusion. That's what they want. Why do they want to create confusion? So that the work will stop. They just want to stop the work. And so here we learn another strategy of Satan is that he brings confusion. Uh, when works, when the work of God is progressing, um, Satan will throw a curve. He'll throw something in there. And I can tell you guys that over the years that we've been here, every time there's a great victory, something happens. And I'm learning and I've learned, but I keep learning and relearning. That these moments of great victory, Satan will do something that I find that the intent is to steal away the attention from what God is doing. It may be to create confusion so that you shift your focus from what God is doing to what the enemy is doing over here. Um, but something we note, if you're a note taker, you should write down 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And it says this, it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. That God is not the one authoring confusion. That's always going to be a work of the enemy. Um, and again, I learned that as we go, that there'll be things that happen that, um, you know, they're meant to confuse. 
They're meant to cause doubt. They're meant to, you know, cause discouragement. Lots of different things. But Satan attacks. Uh, one of his strategies is to bring about confusion. Uh, because when people get confused, we don't have focus anymore. We don't know what we're doing, where we're going, what's happening. So um, what I've learned and what I'm learning is this. No matter what the enemy does, I always got to go back to what God said. Because you know the thing that doesn't change, what God said. I can't let what happens affect how I respond to what God said. Because sometimes my flesh wants to respond to what happened. And God's like, but what did I say? I said this. Uh, for you guys to remember when we finally got the building here. And for you guys that were there, that was, that was, that was you have no idea. It was a seven-year prayer. That was seven years of praying for a place and finally we got a place and then they got the keys and Saturday we were going to have our grand walkthrough. We had a picnic plan across the street. I got keys Friday night, Friday evening. I had walked through the building. I was like, oh, we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to walk through here like like Jerusalem and Jericho. We're going to walk around and pray. And, you know, I was hyped. I mean, this was a great day. I got up early in the morning Saturday to go lock up our barbecue pit spot at the park. And as I was making the corner here, I looked at our building that we had just acquired keys for and all the windows that were intact Friday when I got the keys, I started looking at the window. They were broken. One window broke, two, three, four, five. They all From here all the way around, just different ones were broken. And my heart was just sinking. I'm like, what? Oh, man. What happened? No windows were fine for years. I bet that's the first time the windows ever got broke when we got the keys. And I made the, then I got over here and then as I, just, just as I got out of my car, I walked over to look at this window that was broke. Sheriff pulled up and he said, Hey, are you the owner? I said, Well, I'm not really the owner. I just was getting ready to start renting it for the church and got keys. He said, Man, well, we got the guy that did it. And my first thoughts, my thoughts ran all over the, my thoughts said, Oh, somebody don't want us here. Somebody doesn't want the church here, and this is an attack to discourage. I mean, I'm like all over the place, and, and then I asked a couple, well, who was it? And they said, man, just a crazy guy. This guy is out of his mind. There was no rhyme or reason. He don't know who owned the building. He just ran through here. And then I came inside, and not only had he broke the window and, and cut himself coming in, there was a flag pole in here. You know, it used to be a school. So, you know, the little Christian flag, and the, he took the flag pole and he went through poking holes in all the drywall. Then he went into that office there. There was a beautiful wooden bookshelf. He just broke it and ripped it all down. And, I mean, just, and then he took a fire extinguisher and sprayed it all over here. If that wasn't bad, so I walked in and they got the smoke of fire extinguisher blown all over the place, broken windows, holes in the drywall. And I'm like, we're going to be coming over later to thank God for our new building. So you just have to understand that, you know, did it feel discouraging? Oh, my gosh. It felt discouraged and it felt so defeated. But it was like, but God had said to come here. God had said to get the building. God had said to start the work. And we did. And it eventually got done. Now, for you guys that were here while we were doing all the work. So we had to gut this place out and all this work was being done. This is not the carpet that was here when we got here. There was carpet all down the hallway and all the kids' rooms. And uh, there was a Monday holiday, maybe like a President's Day, some weird Monday holiday. I don't remember which one it was. But I had a guy down here doing electrical work, and he called me. He got here at 6 a.m. that day, and he said, hey, man, you need to get down here. This whole place is flooded. And I said, man, don't play with me. I'm not in the mood to play. He said, I'm not playing. And I'm like, oh, and I got up. And from the hallway here, everything back, it was literally just water had flooded. A pipe burst in the wall, flooded the whole thing. And 
So I put a text in and I just say, any guy, now thank God all the guys were off work because it was a holiday. Any guys are available, come down. We got to pull out all the carpet and we had to get squeegees and push all the water out. But again, if you're asking me, was that encouraging? No. I felt like Satan was just going like, just pow, like, you know, quit already. You're never going to preach in this building. This is a building from hell. It's never going to work. But all the guys came down and in hindsight, that carpet probably needed to go anyway. And it got rolled up and cut up and took it out and everybody flushed everything out. And then, um, you know, in God's timing, new carpet went down and somebody painted the hallway floor and the work still got going. My point is, there were all these points of discouragement where things would happen. And I'm like, God, you could have prevented that, but you didn't prevent that. And I was not to respond to what was happening. God said, do this. So we had to keep moving forward with what God said, do and I can tell you 20 more of those, but I'm just letting you know that you can't respond to what's happening. You can't respond to what's being said. You can't even respond to how you feel. You got to respond to what God said do at every point. Amen. And sometimes that's all you have to go on. If anybody want to see it after church in my phone, I keep a notes thing and it's called confirmation verses. Whenever God tells me to do something, he confirms it with the word. I write it down. I put the date. And while I'm doing that thing and I get discouraged or something happens that that's a setback, I go back and read those verses. And it's like, God, you said. Um, and I will bank on what God said now, you know, um, because I feel like it is on him if he said it. And he he'd been faithful to his word thus far. So his track record is amazing. So moving on. Verse nine. Nevertheless, it says we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set watch against them day and Night. So even though the enemy conspired to come against them to create confusion, they did the same thing. Nevertheless, it says, but anyway, we made our prayer to God. So they prayed to God and they uh, set watch against them day and night. So now they're not just praying, but they're watching and praying. And I believe as believers, when we're busy doing a work for God and you begin to experience the attack, there's a time where we got to watch and pray. I'm going to be watchful and prayerful. I'm going to be watchful because I realize I'm under attack. I'm at war here and I'm not going to be walking around all willy nilly like nothing's going on. I'm at war. So I'm going to watch and pray. You know, I play football. And one of the fun things if you play football is a kickoff return. At the kickoff return, it's your opportunity, um, if you do it right, to run full speed and hit somebody um, with everything you got. And, you know, so if you are trying to make tape, if you're trying to like, if that, if there's a play where you have the opportunity to just nail somebody, it is the kickoff. And this is what you're looking for. If you guys never played football, I want to school you. You're looking for what we call an ear hole. So in football, when you run face to face, you should see a face mask. But every once in a while, you got a guy out on the football field. He's on the field. He's got the outfit on. I mean, he's prepared to play the game, but I see his ear hole. And I post see your ear hole. Ear hole means you're looking over at the crowd. You're looking at the cheerleader. Something got your attention over there. Ear hole means that when I hit you, you are going to go flop, flop. flop. I'm, I'm going to look like Lawrence Taylor when I hit you in the ear hole. So that's what you look for. If you're running down and I'm like, I got three people looking at me when I see an ear hole. I'm going straight for the ear hole. I'm going to look like a king when I hit that guy in the ear hole. That's not what you want to be in the spiritual battle. You want to be over here in the battle. That's why we got to watch and pray. Don't let the enemy catch you ear holing over here where he just knock you over and you're not even aware that you at war. You are at full blown war. If you're doing a work for God, you're at war and the Satan is coming 
and the enemy is coming, there'll be attacks, there'll be accusations, there'll be mean things said and mean things done. All that's coming your way. So you got to watch, be ready, be alert, and pray. Don't watch and run. Don't watch and stop. Watch and pray so you can keep going forward with what God has given you to do. When is the last time you looked up from your own problems long enough to see the troubles in the world around you? In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington is focusing on the life of one man who not only noticed the trouble around him, but wept over it and then did something about it. That's right, we're diving into the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1, verses 2 through 4 says this, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Take a moment and consider the state of the world around you. Really notice the heartache and pain, and then bring it before God and see if He wants you to do something about it. Thanks for listening to A Transforming Word as you let the Word transform you. It will inevitably lead to transforming the world around you too. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. You can check us out at calvaryinglewood.org. And then if you're in the area, make plans to come see us. But there's a lot more there than just our address. There's something for everyone. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back and we hope to see you too. See you next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.